Welcome, welcome everyone to uh, our director's commentary for Pennant Productions' uh, adaptation of King John, the second part of Act 3. If you enjoyed the first part, the second part is even better. Um, my name is George, I'm the director on this show, and joining me today I have Landon, our dramaturge. Hello! And we also have Joel, the assistant director. Hey there. Philip, make up. My mother is assailed in our tent. And ten, I fear. And, and we talked over. Her Highness is in safety. Fear you not. Uh, Philip, uh, kicking. Austria's head off into the grass. I was literally about to say that. I was waiting in anticipation for the head kicking, but I missed it. My <laughs> bad. Um, but Joel, you you put these first two scenes together. Um, uh, yes. In act, in part two of act three. So shall it be. Your grace shall stay behind so strong yes. uh, Although apparently I um, missed putting alarms in the scenes. Uh, I'm looking at the script and it calls for those. I think I added I added alarms in. Oh, okay. Or some kind of trumpet noise. But it's difficult because I don't really know what you'd put there for. Because like the, the traditional Shakespeare alarms is quite simple, but steampunky. I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> I think you've got the uh, the weaponry sound effects down to a T, though. Oh, good. I was a little worried about that. So um, off the bat, because. Um, I don't want to do a repeat of last episode where I missed voices. Um, we had uh, Kyle Garrett as Philip the Bastard. Uh, we also had Russell Gold as King John. Uh, Julie Eve as Queen Eleanor um, in her last appearance in this uh, play. And we also have Edward Herman as Hubert. And... Good to get those out of the way. Because otherwise yeah. we will forget. And everyone else shows up in the I next scene, I believe. Oh, and I think we also had Kristen Mass as Arthur. I, I think. You are correct. No awesome. All, all of our faves are in, uh, in this one. I made the fatal mistake of not having my script in front of me, uh, which is not typical when I do commentaries. So if I make any mistakes, I apologize, folks. I've decided we should label Act 3 the Negotiating Act. Sound on or the diplomacy act or, or something like that because i mean it's specifically part two of act three the way we've, we've split it up is you have one scene with king john and his supporters and another scene with king philip and his and pandolf is also there talking to king philip which we'll hear later on so it is very much lots of negotiation, lots of talking, trying to bring this fighting to an end. And right at the center of it, William Shatner's Priceline Negotiator. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> that would be an incredible, incredible crossover. You bid me undertake, though that my death were adjunct to my act, 
Okay, we're, we're coming up on a bit here. It, you, you mentioned, Landon, last episode, you mentioned that King John is essentially the villain of the play. And I was thinking, if he wasn't before, he is now. Very much so. I mean, right, right here, he he finishes his proverbial heel turn for what he's asking Hubert to do here. My, my lord, a great. Well, his solution for uh, taking care of Arthur is just to kill Arthur. Yeah. Very wrong, and in my mind, I think that he knows it's wrong, but he doesn't care. Um, now, I, I would be I would be curious to hear what a uh, Shakespeare scholar thinks of that, but that's just my opinion. That's that's that was my opinion when I read the play. It's still sort of my opinion. Uh, Russell Gold does a great job of playing it off that way, um, especially in. Uh, the last two episodes that come out, um, he he runs with the the same meter. By a roaring tempest on the flood, a whole armado of convicts. I think it's it's, um, it's interesting with with that point on John because whether he whether he wants to do it or whether he doesn't do it, he ends he he does action Arthur's death. Because he feels like that is what he needs to do. So, be it a decision he he truly believes in, or one that he doesn't really want to do, he does it because he thinks it's for the best for his realm. And I th- I think in other Shakespeare plays, you'd have characters making those decisions for the good of their kingdom, and the decisions coming off and being correct. But in this in this sense, it just feels harsh and unnecessary. Very much so. And there's also some parallels with um, Arthur's character and Philip's, uh, because you see John really, really showing affection for Philip the Bastard and bringing him into the family and making him a knight and. You see none of that with Arthur, but they're both the children of uh, Richard the Lionheart. Go away with me. No, now I see the issue of your feast. It's just, yeah, it's it's just a complete miscarriage of justice, really. No, very much so. Everything kind of stacks up on top of one another. It's just making King John seem to be this really misinformed, slightly haphazard king. It's no wonder that he's uh, he's remembered so poorly among people. Um, but I think that he deserved that. <laughs> he, oh yeah, uh, to be known that way. In the context of, I mean, yeah, in the context of British history, you can see why he's thought of that way. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, in. <sighs> I hate to compare him this way because honestly Richard Nixon was smarter but Bostonian attributes to John um, you see that in the way that he he's very reactionary to everything and he, he thinks he's doing the right thing but he's clearly not and like if I was to compare Nixon to King John I would definitely say Nixon was 
the better figure of the two. Just because I don't think that Nixon just would have killed a child. But <laughs> I should have no. And now we're back with uh, Valina Cutler as Constance, and oh my goodness, this monologue. Mm. I think it would it would be remiss of us not to mention this performance again. Because it's incredibly strong. Incredibly powerful. This character is... Um, I, I've said this many times, but... The uh, character of Constance is my favorite character in this play. Um, she's very ambitious, and her end is also very tragic. And uh, Valina does an excellent job of bringing it to life. And, I mean, you can just... You can just tell here. All of the effort she puts into it. Too well. Too well. I feel the different plague. So I am I am not a too great at scoring scenes, I will be the first to admit that. But with with the music for this play, um, we've got we're using the music uh, of Doc and Zygmunt. Um, it has a very kind of mixed portfolio, lots of electronic stuff, lots of kind of mood, atmospheric things, some guitar song, uh, songs, but also some piano work as well. I tried to divide up the music so that I kind of only used piano tracks at points of quite high emotional strain for the characters on stage or speaking at the... At the moment, the music's happening. And will again commit them to I really like Works a lot. Poor child is a mm. I, I, it's more apparent in Act I Four. I won't say why, but um, we can. We'll come to that in the next episode. Teasers. Teasers. <laughs> But now will canker sorrow eat my bud? Chase the native beauty from his cheek? Also, before I miss them, uh, we had Tahir Chaudhry as King or Excuse me, as King Philip. Uh, if I could speak. <laughs> and um, I believe we had Cardinal Pandolf here, uh, Kareem Cronfley. I believe he showed up already. Hmm. Yes, he did. I just heard his voice. <laughs> he talks to me that never had a son. You are as fond of grief as of your child. Grief fills up the room of my absent child. Lies in his bed. Walks up and down with me. Puts on his pretty looks. Repeats his words. Remembers me of all his gracious parts. This monologue is so sad. I, I was I was literally about to say the same thing. It's it's, it's incredibly sad, but also such a good monologue. It's 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 wrenching. I could give better comfort than you do. I will not keep this form up on my head when there is such disorder in my wit. Oh Lord, my boy, my Arthur, my fair son, my life, my joy. 
food, my all the world. I think you can tell now why she's my favorite character in this play. Yeah. Um, she has the most to gain and the most to lose, and she loses, and it's tragic. There's no other way. No, no other way to put it. It is uh, very tragic. There's nothing in this world can make me joy. And I think it. It puts the, the human side on show as well. Because it's easy to ignore that in the massive power struggles that actually like that. Just the relation of mother and son being completely wrenched by the power struggles of the major characters. Um, I should also note... Um, this scene is where I grabbed uh, audition lines for Constance and uh, Louis the Dolphin. Uh, and um, the, the actors both knocked it at the final play. Life is as tedious as a twice-told tale. Yes, sir. I think was the audition line. Well, when we do auditions, um, for the casting call, I try to pick lines that um, are indicative of a character turn of some sort, um, or some type of vocal tick, one of the two, um, and I, I think that both of those lines really uh, really helped sell those characters for, for our actors as they were auditioning. And I think choosing audition lines from kind of the key points of the play is also a sensible decision. Because there's nothing like auditioning for a character when nothing is at stake. Oh, yeah. Of course, the, uh, the, the one thing that I have kind of tried to do is if there's a play and there's an extremely iconic line, uh, maybe only use part of it in a, in a casting call. Just because um, there's a lot of actors who memorize this stuff in school and yeah. so really good at that one line and then they'll be really bad at the rest and that's that's not a knock against the actors that's just I mean we do that with a lot of things in real life mm. it's not a fair representation correct and and so when we're trying to cast we're looking for people who understand the entire character maybe he will not touch young us's life do you field many questions from uh, from the actors themselves, like either during the audition process or maybe during the actual recording process for an episode? Um, not during the recording process, uh, because I usually give a lot of uh, notes about how to do that. Mm. Uh, most of the questions I get are about uh, like the way a voice should sound or something like that. Every once in a while, I will get a question about how something is pronounced or um, like what something means, and I'll usually answer that. But but um, most of our actors are really good about uh, just taking something and running with it, making it their own. Mm. And I think that's a really good quality to have in our actors as well. Yeah, in, in most of our script releases, I, I will just tell um, the actors to try and try and make the character your own. Uh, 
Because, I mean, these characters have been done thousands of times by thousands of people, and I mean, there's so many ways you can do it that it really makes the most sense to just do it your own way. Yeah. As long as you're true to the character, make it your own. Put your own stamp on that character. And don't you know? Oh, I was, I was going to say, I think that's a nice uh, point to end on. But go on, what what were you going to say? No, no, no. That's uh, that's what that's what I was uh, that's what I was saying. Uh, don't you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfectly timed as ever. Um, but thanks very much for joining me, guys. Once once more, um, we are rapidly approaching the end of this play, which. Is sad, but also the next two acts are super exciting, very sad. Definitely stick around to to listen to those. But until then, see you soon. We'll see y'all next time. Bye.